So, as many of you may or may not know, I was supposed to preach this almost a month ago, but we had a snowstorm. Um, so maybe for good or for bad, I w- I'm not going to lie, I was a little like, oh, please let it blizzard because I'm not ready. So, you know, that's, it's not that procrastination in me, it's, but whatever. Anyway, here I am now, so um, I'm still going to be talking about the same thing. We're going to be looking at uh, the book of Jonah. So if y'all have your Bibles, you can open up Jonah. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's only four chapters. It's easy to miss. It's between uh, Obadiah and Micah, if that helps. I don't know. But um, the theme of my message or my teaching tonight is, well, it's entitled The Inheritance of Grace. And so we're going to be talking a lot about grace. A couple fun facts while you're finding uh, Jonah. Um, The book of Jonah is traditionally um, read on the Jewish festival of Yom Kippur. You know, it's one of the, it's the main book that they read from. And for those of you who don't know, the Yom Kippur is the Jewish festival known as the Day of Atonement. So, fun fact. Um, Jonah means dove, uh, which is an interesting name since most prophets are like, uh, I think Isaiah is... Um, the God who saves, or God saves you, or saves me, I'm not exactly sure, but they all have these, like, active meanings, and then Jonah's like, yeah, my name's Dove, um, so that's fun, um, it is, it is considered a minor prophet, of the, in the big scheme of the Old Testament, you have the Pentateuch, you have the, uh, historical books, you have the wisdom and poetry books, and then you have the prophets, And in the prophets, you have the major prophets like Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel. Then you have the minor prophets, which are all the really weird names like Obadiah or Amos or Habakkuk, you know, those names. And Jonah's in there. Um, But Jonah kind of stands apart because there's not a lot of prophecy in this book. Um, This book kind of reads like a historical narrative. It's a story. Um, You just happens to have a prophet as the main character, right? Um, but to fully understand the book of Jonah, we're just kind of have to read it. And I'm going to try and read as much as I can without boring you all, but we're going to go through the whole book today. Because um, it, it's important to know Jonah in the full context of this story, right? Um, and also, uh, for those of you who want to get some bonus points, which means nothing, I'm not going to give you anything. But um, there, if you all can figure out what the outline of Jonah is, I'll tell you later, but, you know, while you're listening, try and keep a, an ear out for parallels in the story, because um, that's what's what I'm going to be focusing on, is the parallels. Um, anyway, we'll go ahead and start in chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Have you all seen the Veggie Tales? Jonah, yeah, Emma knows. So we all kind of know the general story. Uh, Jonah, a prophet, hears the word of the Lord that he doesn't like. Jonah doesn't like it. He's like, no, this the Nineveh. This is a horrible, dangerous city. Um, in in Veggie Tales, they're a city of fish slappers. But uh, <laughs> but in reality. Right? In reality, it's one of the capital cities of Assyria, which is, for the longest time, for all of pretty much uh, history, Assyria has been one of the main nations that would come against Israel whenever God's like, y'all need a lesson for some reason. So 
I'm going to raise up this enemy to come against you. And usually that's the Babylonians, the Assyrians, Canaanites, all these different people. The, the Assyrians were the main, one of the main uh, nations. And so they're super violent. They're super dangerous. They don't like the Hebrews. Um, they're at constant war uh, with the Hebrews and whatnot. So this is dangerous territory for Jonah to be going into. Not only that, um, but he wants to give a word of the Lord to them. It's not just like, oh, go in and maybe spy, but, or, or maybe go rescue someone. It's, no, you got to tell them the word of the Lord. The, the, there's many gods that people pray to in this time, but it's a specific from Yahweh, right? And that's, that's, that can be scary. So don't knock Jonah quite yet. Um, that's kind of a scary thing. But as we know, he goes and he gets on this ship. Um, as he starts sailing, a great storm comes. Um, and then he is found asleep in the, uh, in the cargo hold. You know, and he knows the storm's going on. He's like, oh, this, this is my fault. So he's going to start. He goes and hides, basically, is how I read it. It's, so he's asleep. And the captain has to come and be like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing sound asleep? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. Um, and so they, there's like, fine, I'll come up. They go up, they cast lots to see whose fault it is, because this is not a normal storm. This is a supernatural storm. They can tell. These are complete random strangers, and they know, okay, this isn't normal. Something's going on, right? And so they uh, cast lots. The lot comes down to Jonah, spoiler. And he's like, well, yeah, this is my fault. I ran away from, from the Lord. I was supposed to do this thing, and I'm, I'm disobeying, and I'm fleeing. They're like, oh, well, what can we do to stop this if this is your fault? And he says, throw me in the water and watch it calm down instantly. He knows the answer. Jonah's not, Jonah's not dumb, right? Um, so they throw him in the water. Everything calms instantly. God calls a big fish, uh, not a whale. Ac well, actually, it could be a big sea monster. There's all kinds of different translations. But it's a great fish comes and eats him. He's in there for three days, and then he has to, after three days, he finally repents. And in chapter 2, the entire, entirety of chapter 2 is pretty much the psalm of Jonah. And it's him repenting and giving thanksgiving to God for the lesson he just learned, right? So at the end of chapter 2, um, then the Lord spoke to the fish and spewed Jonah out on the dry land. So we have our first pretty much half of the book. Jonah hears God. Jonah runs from God. Jonah is punished, basically, and then he has to repent. And after repentance, he's delivered. There's our first half of the story, right? Pick it up in chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out to, uh, set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and a merciful and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. So, this did, it, it's funny, you would think that this came out how Jonah thought it wouldn't happen. In the Veggie Tales episode, 
that movie, whatever, whatever. Um, Jonah goes up onto the ridge and is just waiting. He's just sitting there waiting, waiting for the wrath of God to come down upon Nineveh. You know, I, I would bet he's sitting there thinking like, how did it happen in Egypt? I wonder if I get to see like round two of that, you know, just like big fireballs coming down from the sky, whatever, who knows. But he's up there waiting. But that's actually not what the story says. The story says that it happened exactly like Jonah was afraid it would happen, that nothing would come about against Nineveh. That if he came and preached and said the word of the Lord to them, that Nineveh would be spared. And the funny thing is, Jonah didn't want that to happen. He knew that's what would happen, and that's why he fled. Um, and so there's our second story. So in the first one, we have Jonah disobeys. He's punished, repents, and prays, and then he's delivered. In the second half of the, of the book, Jonah hears and obeys. Nineveh is told they will be punished. There's a parallel. Nineveh repents, another parallel. And then Nineveh is delivered. But Jonah is, is like, this is not fair. And in fact, he's rebuked later, but um, that's a whole nother, whole nother story that we'll go over maybe some other time. But the book of Jonah is, in my opinion, a book about us. We are Jonah, and this entire book is saying, don't be Jonah. <laughs> so pretty much, don't be us. Don't be ourselves. What does that mean? Um, I'll break it down into two points that I want to talk about tonight from what I've gleaned. The first point is that grace is not fair. All right? Grace is not fair. Uh, Jonah, when he arrived at Nineveh, had this, what he wanted was for Nineveh to realize that they've been bad, and then God would be like, you have been bad. Boom. Dead. Gone. Destroyed. However you want to see it. Because for the longest time, Nineveh has been an enemy to Israel, to Jonah and his people, right? And that's what Jonah wanted. But he knew deep down that he, that that wasn't what was going to happen because Jonah wasn't a new prophet. It's not like, you know, he was just minding his own business for his entire life, just be like, oh, what is this? Am I supposed to go? I don't know. Now, he was born, he's a prophet's son. Um, so he's been a prophet his entire life. He's a professional Christian, if you want to put it in modern day terms. You know, he's pastor in a church, whatever you want to say. And um, uh, so it's not like the word or the voice of God is a stranger to him. He knows who this is. He knows um, exactly that this is God's will. But the problem is, is he doesn't like it, right? And so instead of maybe talking to God like Moses did. Moses and God had a one-on-one, right? He'd be like, hey, maybe, maybe spare at least, you know, if I can find one person, the story of Lot and all that stuff, then you won't destroy, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, all this stuff, um, or, or, or any of that. But instead, he does what we would all do. We become passive and we avoid things. At least I avoid things. Um, I avoid my responsibilities very well. I'm very good at it. I'm sure a lot of you all are. Um, it r- the way that Jonah kind of approaches God reminds me of how I would approach homework a lot. I would avoid going to certain areas that I would relate with school, like I would avoid going to the library or going home, because I know, oh man, I've got a paper due in like three days. Well, maybe if uh, I uh, go distract myself, I'll be like, oh yeah, I totally forgot. It's not my fault I didn't get it done in time, when really it's me just procrastinating, right? Um, 
maybe some of you have done it with like people. I know I've had a couple people where I'll see them walking towards me and I know exactly the thing they want to talk to me about. I'm like, I don't want to have anything to do with it, right? I've had, I have a couple friends, I have one friend um, who we're only friends because of uh, music that I don't listen to anymore. Back when I was a teenager, back when I was a teenager, I listened to a lot of like heavy metal and hardcore music, you know, a lot of screaming and a lot of heavy guitars and stuff. Um, but I don't really listen to that anymore. Uh, maybe I grew out of it. Maybe I just, my tastes have changed. But when we met, that's all we would talk about because we'd like the same bands. So now if I run into him or I see him in the distance, that's our only like connecting point is this music that I've grown out of. So I see him, I'm like, oh shoot, it's that guy. We always talk about the same thing. This, I, I gotta, I gotta do something. Uh, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. My mom's calling me. I don't know. So you, you try and avoid stuff because you know what's going to happen when, when you meet this person or whatever. Jonah's doing the same thing, just maybe in a not-so-silly way, right? Um, instead, I think he is approaching God how we do with people we, we see as unworthy or not worth giving grace to, and we don't even realize it. I know that there's a lot of, a lot of people out there in my life and in our lives that we see, and they're kind of like the Nineveh for us, you know. We see them as the enemy, as the, the opposition, the people in our lives that give us so much turmoil, whether they know it or not. Um, and yet, we have this, we have this unnatural ability to, maybe it's a natural ability, to just say, you know what? I know, uh, deep down, we know that we're supposed to love them. We know we're supposed to give them grace. But we try and maybe fool ourselves, fool God, and avoid that, like, responsibility of, I, I can't love this person, or I can't love these people, or I can't show grace towards this community because deep down, I don't want to. It's not that I'm, we know we're supposed to, but we don't want to either because we think they don't deserve it. I don't think Jonah thought the Ninevites deserved to be saved after all they've done. Or we don't, say we don't want them to receive this grace until they've met a certain prerequisite, which kind of brings me into the second point I have, and that is we can't neglect our own grace. The parallel between Jonah and Nineveh that I've noticed is that when Jonah disobeyed God, he had to go through some kind of turmoil in his life. He had to spend three days in a fish until he's finally like, okay, maybe I did something I shouldn't have done, and now I need to repent. And so you have all of chapter three, excuse me, all of chapter two is just him being like, well, I screwed up, but you're still a good God. Thank you for not, you know, killing me. And then God's like, all right, let's try this again, you know? So he had his little, like, come to Jesus moment, so to speak. Um, the Ninevites didn't really. So Jonah comes into Nineveh, and he's like, you've got 40 days, and then how I see it is like, oh, give us like four minutes, and we'll turn this around, you know, and God's like, oh, cool, sweet. I'm, I'm going to relent my calamity against them, and I know for, for Jonah, and probably for a lot of us, when we see people that have such terrible lives, or do such terrible things, and all of a sudden God, we're supposed to believe that God's like, cool, we're good, let's start over, and we're still, like, ruminating on the past, 
You're like, wait, but he, they've done all this stuff, you know? Um, and J- Jonah's kind of mad about that. He's, I think he's jealous, to be honest. I think he's jealous of the grace that, that Nineveh received compared to him. He had to go through, through hell and back, so to speak, um, with the fish, whereas Nineveh, they kind of didn't. Um, and it reminds me of, of Paul in Romans. If you have your Bibles, real quick, in Romans chapter 5, right at the end. Actually, it's, it's, a short, it's a short one, so I'll just read it for you. But in the very end, um, oh, where is it? Chapter 5, verse 20. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So what makes Nineveh an exception, I see, is that they have had more sin for grace to abound in. So while Jonah had this small little, oh yeah, I've disobeyed even though I've been such a good prophet for so many years, so he only receives a little bit of grace because he really kind of only sinned a little bit. You have Nineveh who have been sinning their entire history, and that's just that much more grace that God can give them when they finally repent. So in the eyes of Jonah, grace is not fair that Nineveh received all this amazing grace, and Jonah received so little, it's kind of true. I mean, so Jonah's justified in that, in being a little jealous that he hasn't received nearly as much grace as Nineveh has, but that's because Nineveh has so much more sin to be covered by grace, right? What, it's to help explain this, um, I think of uh, uh, testimonies. My testimony is pretty, pretty standard for a Christian who grew up a Christian his whole life. You know, I grew up in a Christian family, and so I've kind of always known the church life, and Jesus has been my bud since I can remember, you know. Um, and then I have, when I went to YWAM, I met a guy who was not a Christian his whole life, and his testimony is insane. Uh, his name was Brandon Nygaard. He's from uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, right? And this dude was telling me about how, like, you know, he was into heavy drinking and drugs, and, but most, most crazy was he actually kind of dabbled in, like, the occult stuff. He was telling me one time how him and his friend in, like, middle school found this, like, spell, so to speak, that they wanted to use against this girl that they really didn't like. And so you're supposed to do this thing and then light this picture on fire with a lighter. So they had a picture, this lighter, and right when, but they knew that she was a Christian. And so right when he, um, this is at least how he explained it, Right when he went to go light the picture, the lighter exploded in their hand. Yeah. I'm sitting there, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. This is, no. And he goes, I've had, I've had uh, nights where I woke up knowing, like, with demons hovering over me and trying to choke me out. And I've had to, like, and it's been freaking him out. Like, he has this crazy life story that sounds so fantastical, you know. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, and now you're a Christian? He's like, yeah, Jesus has really changed my life. I'm like, that's not fair. You've got such a cool story. Like, how am I supposed to go up to a random stranger and be like, yeah, I love Jesus because he's cool. And I've, you know, I've known him my whole life. And, you know, he's there when, when I need a, a, when I'm stressing out over a test. Or, you know, I've, I've got to go, you know, meet with the pastor and I, I screwed up or whatever. You know, I don't have like a cool, amazing story. That's kind of what I see here with Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah is, is the everyday Christian. He grew up a Christian. He grew up 
not really, he grew up a Hebrew, but you know what I mean. He grew up um, knowing the Lord his whole life, right? Nineveh, Nineveh hasn't. They're the ones who have, you know, they're, they're the drug addicts, the, uh, the um, you know, the, the pirates, the African, like, witch doctors, you know, who have, they don't know God. But the moment they meet him, they're like, holy crap, this is so cool. I didn't know about this. This, is, um, this grace is overwhelming, right? And it's such a cool story, and we're just sitting there like, man, I wish I could experience that kind of grace. That's awesome. But no, I've been, you know, dealing with church politics and whether or not the women's ministry can use the gym on Sundays or, you know, things like that, right? Um, and, and the reason is, is because we, we don't realize that we've been walking in grace our whole life. You know, we, neg- we neglect our own grace. Um, I'm going to go to one of my favorite stories. I used it in my first sermon, and I'll probably use it in my next one. I don't care. It's <laughs> probably my favorite story in the whole Bible, but it's the prodigal son, right? Luke chapter 15. So we all know the prodigal son story. The son's like, ah, I don't like you anymore. I'm going to give me my inheritance so I can go do what I want. He goes, does what he wants, realizes, oh, this was dumb. I better go back and see if maybe I can be like a slave to my dad, and he'll at least give me you know, a place to sleep so I'm not sleeping with pigs, right? Goes back, the father's like, oh, no, come, you know, kill the fatted calf, give him the robe, put a ring on his finger and stuff. We all know that story, right? Then we got the older brother who's just like, what are you doing? You're killing the fattened calf for this guy who's spoiled his entire inheritance that you've given him, and yet I'm over here working my butt off for you. I've never done a single thing wrong in my life, and you won't kill a fatted calf for me? And the father's like, um... Let's see. Let me see if I can read it. It's, it's so good. Uh, the answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working for you like a slave, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when hi- this son of yours comes back, he has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, this is important, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. We had to celebrate and rejoice because your brother was your brother of yours was dead and has come to life where was lost has been found. The key, the key point of this verse is, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. We have inherited grace from the beginning, but we have become so numb to our own grace that when we see someone else receive it, we get jealous. You know? We don't realize like we're kind of like that older brother. We're kind of like Jonah in that. We're sitting here toiling our hands, being good Christians, not realizing that, hey, man, I could use a young goat right now. My friends and I, we could celebrate with a fatted calf. That'd be great, but no, we can't do I, I got to keep toiling, you know, that's dad's whatnot. And we don't realize is that God has already given us the fatted calf. We just don't realize it because we've never asked. We've never decided to sit down and celebrate the grace that we are, have already been given, right? And so, you know, I, I picture this story with after everything, it's like the older brother coming up to the father after the big party. He's like, are you telling me that, you know, two years ago for my birthday, we could have gotten the fatted calf kill? He's like, yeah, man. You know, y- y- this inheritance is just as much yours as it, ha- as it is his. You know, all that I have is yours. All you got to do is ask. Jonah, myself, us, we have forgotten to realize that we already have grace, that we've been walking in grace our entire life. Um, and so 
this isn't like a, you know, you, you have a lot more grace than you realize because you're all horrible people and you don't even realize it. That's not what I'm saying, you know. It, what, I'm, what I'm trying to challenge people to do is to, or I hope I'm challenging people, is to start walking in a grace that we haven't realized we've had this whole time, you know. Um, just a couple weeks ago, for the first time in eight years, I went and, and uh, spoke with my dad. Um, for some of you who don't know, there was a big family hoopla and a divorce and stuff um, about eight years ago that kind of tore our family apart. And I blamed a lot of that on my dad. And so for eight years, I've just sort of avoided him because I know, like, God has kind of been telling me in the back of my head, like, you need to just go hang out with him, man. You know, he's, he's a broken person just like everybody else, and he needs love too. I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, but he destroyed my family. This is not fair. This is, like, I have so much stuff that I need to deal with first. You know, why can't he just, you know, come to me or, you know, just everything that I want, just him to call me and say, this is everything you wanted. I'm going to give it to you now. I'm so sorry. I'll go slink away and die. I don't know. Whatever the, the things that in my heart were like, no, it's not worth it. He doesn't deserve my love for me to go give him, go and drink a beer with him or anything, right? And so a few weeks ago, I, was, I finally was like, you know what? I've heard what, you know, I haven't seen my dad in eight years, but I still don't know, like, where is he at in his own walk? Because he's tried texting me and emailing me things like, you know, I've been praying for us and all this stuff. And for the longest time, I didn't want to believe it, you know. But at the same time, I didn't want to get, uh, you know, like, whenever mom will interact with him because of Emma or when Christian's been a couple times. Um, and they would, I'd be like, so how's dad doing, you know, because I haven't seen him in so long. And they'll say one or the other thing. I'm like, you know what? I'll go and see him because I want to know for myself. I don't want any kind of bias from anybody. But the only way that I could finally be like, you know what? Okay. All right, Dad, I know you're in town. I'll go get a beer with you just because just I want to know where you're at and if there's any way we can finally fix our relationship or if we can at least start. But the only way I could do that was looking at my dad as just another person, you know, trying to take away how I see him or how my pain skews what he actually looks like and just realize he's just another broken person like me, you know, and God has given me this much grace. I've done some pretty messed up things in my life, and yet here I am able to talk in front of all y'all. Um, so I had to go in, I had to walk in the grace that, I've that I have already been given and just realize in the grand scheme of things, he's no better than I am, you know, and there's no reason why that should affect the way I treat him right? And so I went with really low expectations, and I ended up talking with him an hour longer than I had anticipated. We had a beer. We had a, a good time. We talked about stuff. We actually got, like, it wasn't surface level, just like, oh, hey, how's it going? It's been a while. Started out that way, but it's like, no, this is going to be real. We're going to actually have a talk, and we did, and it was good. And um, looking forward to the next time I can have a beer with him just to see if there's any progress, if we can become closer, because I would like to have my dad back in my life, but, you know, um, and again, I was only able to do that because I was walking in the grace that I know that I've, that I've had, that I've inherited, and the thing about grace is that grace is a gift. It's a, gra it's a gift to be given, not a product to be sold. Jonah 
thought that the only way you could receive grace is by enduring some kind of punishment. A lot of us might see somebody, they're like, the only way I can love that person is if they meet a certain condition, which is what I was like with my dad for so long. Um, and there are certain conditions that still need to be met for things to get deeper, of course. I mean, we have to have boundaries. We can't just invite random people into our lives and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to love you. Here's a million dollars. And then realize, oh, they totally just kind of hustled me out of a million dollars. Well, shoot. No, th- you got to be smart. But it's we have to give grace because we have a surplus of grace that we don't even know about. You know, we, uh, we've only been picking and choosing for certain little sins that we've had in our life without realizing that we could go kill the fatty calf and celebrate anytime we want to. Um, and so that's just what I want to challenge you guys with tonight is to walk in the grace that you might not know you have and um, give it out freely because it's not something that can be bought. It's something that we've been given to give to others. So I'm hungry, so let's eat. <laughs>